Welcome back to the Spicy PL Podcast. This is episode 55, and we have Marta Elverum. I'm Big Babel, Big Joe Capolino. What's up? All the way from across the pond. Yeah. Early What's Sunday morning podcast. Well, it's Sunday afternoon for her, but it's Sunday morning for us, which really hurts yeah. us. We were degenerates. We, dr- we drank all last night and played yeah. poker till very late. <laughs> Typical activities. But um, anyway, for people that don't know Martha, um, I'm going to take a chance at reciting your personal best lifts here, okay. which I think you just did at Nationals. Well, it was in a new weight class, right? Well, yeah, technically, I guess. Well, I had a, this, the squat is where I couldn't find it. 253.5? No, I missed. Oh, you missed that. <laughs> yeah, I got red light, like two to one. Okay. Nationals, but my previous in 72s is 252 and a half. 252.5, that's what I had for 72s. Yeah. And bench, 152.5? Yeah, I missed that one too. You missed that. What are you posting these lifts that you missed? Okay, so I'm just getting 145 <laughs> bench. So I benched, I benched 150 actually in competition last last weekend or the weekend before. Oh, okay. That I don't have that. Maybe the results are not online, huh? And then deadlift 250. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> did you? I know you've made that before. You did that to the Arnold like a few years ago. Did you make that at nationals too, or did you miss that one? I missed. I missed that. Na- nationals was like. Because the reason, I think I just wrote in Norwegian, so that's why you're not in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was, like, so close to getting a huge PR in total. Because uh, I was, like, red light, I red lighted 2 to 1 uh, in the squat. So that was close. Bench was, like, almost at lockout. And then deadlift, I don't know what was going on. But I almost got, like, 250 and a half. So I was, like, yeah, close. But you sound like a super heavyweight with all these missed lifts. What's going on? Yeah, I don't know. I, w- I think it was just like really rusty, not competing since Worlds in 2019. Yeah. And I think also not having to cut weight was really strange for me. Mm. Because the same week, I, I, I was like trying to keep my weight up. And that's like a total new world for me because I'm used to starving. Yeah, like 15 years. <laughs> 15 years yeah. of cutting weight for meats. It's like, it's a part of the ritual. So when I was competing, when, when I went to nationals, I was like, I'm not really competing, am I? Or I just couldn't like get in the right, I don't know, mood or something. It was really strange. Yeah, so I feel you. That's why I competed two weeks, uh, two weekends ago. What meat was that? That was just a regional Okay. Meat. What were the numbers? Uh, 240, 150, 250. All right. We got to get that squat up. <laughs> get that huh? squat up. I said, we got to get your squat back up. 240? I know, yeah. Well, I'm breaking in a new suit tomorrow, so we'll see. All right. Well, also, I have that you're a junior world champion and you're an open world silver medalist twice. Right? Yeah. And little known fact, I didn't even know this till I just looked it up. You're a junior classic world champion. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. First, <laughs> first world uh, world that was uh, held is in Russia. The one in Russia, yeah. yeah. So we want to talk about that a little bit. Like um, I've got second before 
couple times, one at Worlds and one at World Games. And it's good for I was happy when it happened to me because I'm not that good. But I'm sure when it happened to you, you were a little mad. And both times you finished, one time you finished in second in Czech Republic, which I remember that competition. It was like crazy watching that one to Priscilla Ribic. And the last one in Dubai, you finished second to our friend and training partner, Kelsey McCarthy. So we want to know if you'd talk a little trash about Kelsey for us. <laughs> <laughs> no, the good thing about powerlifting is like you can't blame anybody else than yourself. So, um, but what's, what's really annoying though is that she's too short. Close, huh? <laughs> she's too short. That's what's annoying. Right? Yes, I know. Yes, she's cheating though. But <laughs> being short is, of course, is cheating. But every time I like get close to the world record total. It just like boom goes yeah. away again. So, um, well, well, that's how it is. <sighs> yeah, I feel like that too. Like um, <laughs> before, I ever went to an open worlds, I was like, okay, what's the world record? Boom! Like a few yeah. years later, I can total that, but I'm still losing by thirty kilos. So, but before we before we before we talk anymore, are you coming to worlds or what's going on? <sighs> Want to get into that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. So um, my first Open Worlds was 2013 in Stavanger. Um, I finished in fourth. The most epic Worlds that It, it was been. epic. I felt like I was just like um, a fly on the wall for like a super epic competition where we watched like Carl Ingvar and yeah. uh, Victor Tesov and uh, Andre Konovalov just go at it and it was like cool and I always tell people I finished four I finished first in like the not good category because I finished behind those three um but recent news and me and Alex are going to do a whole podcast on like the inner workings of this whole thing is that most of the American team is going to be coming to worlds um and as a technicality we're going to be lifting as U.S. Virgin Islands so that's the plan right now. Um, so that should go smoothly. We should have like our full team, uh, except like our our coach, our head coach is Gene Bell. You know, you know Gene Bell, right? Yeah. So that's our head coach instead of the usual crew, but also like um, Big Mike and Big Mike Zawalinski and uh, Jeff Douglas, Newt's father, Newt Douglas's father, who's usually an assistant coach for us for the last like five years. They're going to be there as well. So we should have a pretty solid team. Um, now that this kind of like drama is over and I think that we're at least going to be on the final nominations, it's the fact that like I've been watching um, the COVID situation and I know Norway is not part of the EU, but like um, the EU is recommended to not let in U.S. travelers um, starting tomorrow. And uh, Sweden just did the same thing. So I'm just hoping Norway lets us in. I do think so. And I think the um, the Norwegian government has said that they are prioritizing uh, world, this world championship in powerlifting, actually. Yeah. So I really think you will get in without having to do quarantine or anything. We hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's... <laughs> That will be fine, I think. But 
Another question though, when you're listing for Virgin Islands, can you do can you go back and look for USAPL later? She knows all the questions to ask. Yeah, I mean, let's just <laughs> talk about it. Yeah, that's fine. Well, um, so I think the the USAPL has put out a statement that they're yeah. not going to penalize people, but I know okay. you know by IPF regulations you can't be lifting in two federations. So I think if a lifter switches to USVI, they need to be careful. Um, about when they rejoin the USAPL or if they lift in the USAPL, like mm -hmm. they could get in trouble with the IPF. So, but I think the USAPL is not going to do anything like penalizing yeah. anybody. So if you're, yeah. if, if you're curious, Marta, like previously, if you wanted to switch countries uh, under normal times, peacetime, <laughs> you would have to sign a piece of paper that basically said you were retiring from USAPL. You were never yeah. coming back. So that's if like, if I wanted to live for Italy, because, you know, my my father still lives there and um, I could technically that's something I looked into. I could technically go. The problem with that is I could uh, I needed to do a qualifying meet in Italy. And obviously, like I didn't have enough time over the last like 60 days or whatever to, to plan that and do that. But yeah, that was an option for me. But then I decided against that. It would just been an investment of too much time and money to go there to do a meet. Um but previously, like people who went to U.S. Virgin Islands, it was assumed they were never coming back, right? And there was paperwork you had to do. And I've never, my eyes have never been on those papers, luckily. Um, so for this, basically, we became U.S. Virgin Islands members of the Federation. And part of that form was saying you kind of renounce your USAPL membership for the year at least. And so for the time being, moving forward, it's actually a monthly membership. I've never seen that before for a federation. But um, I'll just be a, however many months I want to be a U.S. Virgin Islands powerlifter, I could keep paying the membership. Um, and then when that's over, you know, I guess you could go back to USAPL. I haven't really thought about that because... I'm not I like it's dumb to plan for that. Like I'm just focused on worlds, you know? So, yeah. um, I was told that everybody should know that while you're doing this. So like while we're in this process of just say theoretically, like you're Ian Bell mm -hmm. and you're, um, lifting at worlds and then presumably you're lifting at world games. Like he shouldn't be coaching, refing or lifting in any USAPL events. Okay. So then, he has to compete for a uh, Virgin Islands at World Games as well. Yeah. Well, That's my are understanding. We the, are we going to hear the national anthem of, of Virgin Islands for the first time? So we, we were, we've been joking around. So there is like a song, but the official national anthem of U.S. Virgin Islands is the United States national anthem. Oh, really? So I don't know if we're going to get away with that technically. There's also another song that's more like kind of island style. <laughs> so like i'm curious you know i'm voting for the island style i mean like there's gonna be like between like some of our females like kelsey or i don't even i haven't even talked to bonica yet in the last few days it's been crazy over here like the text messages and calls and all the things we've been having to do to like finalize this i haven't even talked to bonica where usually i do but like i'm assuming like one of our females will win and we'll yeah. we'll see the anthem, and then I'm hoping like Newt and Ian, you know, can break through and like, and and one or both of them can win their weight class. 
I'm never going to bet on myself. I'm smart enough to do that. I'll try my best, but I haven't heard the anthem yet. So yeah, you're like the Mets. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I'm a, yeah. Unlucky sportsman, but I still have fun. So we'll see. I mean, hopefully, uh, early in the week we get to see, uh, what anthem gets played, but I don't think, you know, like I, during this whole thing, I was like, cause like two weeks ago, no one knew it was going to happen. And I was like, I'm not going to switch to us Virgin islands. And at that time thought never come back to USA powerlifting and like also like do it like on your own. And basically what I said to everybody was like, well, if the whole team is going to do it, I'll do it because like I care about the people on the team. And like, if we're lifting together, like it, I guess it doesn't really matter to me. Like everybody knows it's a technicality. It's like the same thing with the Russians. Like they're lifting, supposed to be lifting as ROC. I saw last week they all had their Russian, like the coaches had the shirts that said like Russia on it. And yeah, it was kind of BS. But um, I think they, I think they're going to start cracking down on that. But like you have to do what you have to do. Like I think it's better for us to come and lift like, as USVI than not come at all. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad that you're coming though. Yeah. So the final nomination should have us all on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, we had one lifter. I don't know if you remember Ahmed Hassanin, the yeah. super heavyweight from 2013 from Egypt. He like squatted a thousand or squatted 455. Oh, yeah. So he's been, he's been living in America the last, you know, five or so years. We're going to have him on the podcast eventually. But he actually made the, the U.S. team because he's an American citizen now. and uh, But he's just going to lift for Egypt. So he'll be lifting for Egypt. And then there should be at least seven of us from yeah. on the men's side from, uh, from U.S. Virgin Islands. And then I think we have a full female team. That's good. The entire raw team went too. Well, not the entire team. Like, this is stuff we were going to talk about, but, like, U.S. Virgin Islands didn't take – they weren't, like – what I had heard is that they didn't take everybody that, like, they could have. Like, some some people, they were like, oh, I don't really like you. Like, you're – you can't be U.S. Virgin (laughs) Islands. Like, which is within their right. Like, you know, like, I even talked to Kim Walford. You got to be careful here, Joe. We don't want to get you kicked off the team. No, no. I talked to Kim, and I was like, Kim, like, like, what's your end game here? Because, like, I want to know, like, what you think this process is. Because, like, from my perspective, I just appreciate what her and Jean are doing for us. Like, because, like, last year we didn't lift, you know. If we didn't lift this year, the Raw and the Equip team, like, that would just suck for everybody. So they're giving us all an opportunity to lift. But I was like, you know, a lot of people, it's not like a lot of people are going to like stay at USVI. Like a lot of people are going to like chew and screw as we say here. Right. Like, yeah. um, and she was like, yeah, I completely understand that. Like, we're just trying to give people the opportunity. Like maybe some of these people lift at nationals. Maybe they want to stay because there's not all this background stuff. Maybe the USAPL doesn't get their stuff together. She, she kind of knows that like, it's just a means to an end for a lot of lifters. And like, I even told her, like, I just want to lift for one more year. So I'm not, I don't care about any, I don't care about any feds. Um, but you know, everybody's situation is different. Some of these people are young, like, uh, 
and they're probably going to be lifting for 10 more years. Like Chloe Dublin's on the equip team. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot more at stake for them and decisions for them to make, but I don't think there's any like misconceptions of what it's supposed to be. How is she picking the team though? Is she like, we want to win. So I'm just going to pick the best people or like, what are their guidelines? Well, I've heard a lot of stuff. So like I heard like, Oh, what if we invited Blaine Sumner? Like, what if we invited Natalie Hansen? But, like, you know, Blaine didn't compete or doesn't plan on competing. He's still injured. And Natalie, like, didn't total at U.S. Nationals. And I think finally Gene, Gene or Kim said, like, no total at a national event, no world team. Like, there had to be some type of standard. It can. They could have, could have sent them, though, because IPF yeah. doesn't have any. Well, I know that when these countries from like the Middle East pop up on the yeah. the noms, you know there was no competition. Or when like I think it's funny, like if you look at the nominees or the nominations right now, people mix and match lifts they've done to up their qualifying total. Oh, like Carlos Campos, he's above me on the nominations because <laughs> he like mixed and matched certain lifts, and he it didn't, like made. He didn't do like some meet somewhere. He did a meet, but it wasn't that wasn't his total. Really? He took like its two best lifts from that meet and his like best deadlift from like all time and then like threw it on there. They want to make sure they're in the A group or something? Yeah, I mean, that's why people do it, but I just think it's funny because like I think your qualifying total should be like what you've done. It should on, be a real total. It should be a total. <laughs> Whether at yeah. this point it's from 2019, that's fine, but it should be from like 2019 or 2020. Yeah, not the fantasy total. We've Yeah, we've I, the U.S. team has always submitted like their total yeah from nationals well if you had a shitty total at nationals they would submit your total from like the last worlds yeah that's like as far back as you could go if you've been if you were on the world's team last year but Mm -hmm. that's it so yeah there's a lot of like nuances to this whole u.s virgin islands thing but it worked out for most of us like i haven't heard i heard and i don't know like I'm not in like the raw world team or the classic world team group chat, but I heard there were some people that wanted to be on the team or felt like they should have been on the team that U.S. Virgin Islands didn't accept. Really? (laughs) So like I'll try to find out more about that. But, um, you know, if you take it from U.S. Virgin Islands uh, perspective, it's they could pick whoever they want. So but I think they are excited that they have like these teams that are probably going to win a lot of medals like our classic teams usually win outright and our women's equipped team is really good they win a lot um our men's equipped team you know not so good but we'll (laughs) see we'll see this year i think we're good so because we got finally ian bell's back so yeah ion bell we got ion bell back (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, that's what the europeans say so anyway enough about us you know hopefully we'll see you there but we want to talk to you about the competition a little bit Mm -hmm. so i was there in 2013 and you know my biggest question is is it going to be as good and is there going to be a dj it's going to be better and uh yes i will have to say there will be a dj (laughs) and there will also be a better speaker Oh, there you go. After I'm done. <laughs> so you're going to announce you're going to be the speaker when we compete? Uh, that's that's uh, 
what I heard last time I talked to the committee. So <laughs> I like it. The voice. Maybe I'll be announcing you, Joe. Maybe. I hope so. Maybe. I get I amped know. up. But yeah, definitely it's going to be uh, just as good as 2013, if not better. What about the banquet? The banquet was really good in 2013. What do we got going on for that? Yeah, that was really, it was sponsored by the municipality, actually. Yeah, uh, I remember the I mayor showed up. That. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if we get that this year. Um, the food was good. Definitely, I mean, as long as we have booze, then it's going to be good. <laughs> well, the food was good. The wine was free, and you it was good. So? <laughs> yeah, the food it was, was kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was good. For, for, ba- for uh, compared to other banquets, I mean. Okay, yeah, yeah. sure. Sure. Joe's not hard hard to please when it comes to the food. <laughs> you know, yeah. he'll, he'll put it whatever. Lot, it wasn't a lot, but it was like good. Like I remember there was some lamb and there was some really good dessert, but and there the wine was flowing. So I mean, that's all you can ask for. <laughs> um, that's good because I mean, my first experience at Open Worlds, I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like the venue is really awesome. It's is it an ice hockey arena? It's a uh, handball. Handball, yeah. It's, okay. Yeah. I didn't know if they also do ice there, but it's like an indoor arena, sports arena. And then the, yeah. the hotel, is it still the Rica Forum? Is that? I, I think so. Uh, I think it's the same one. I or love it's, it's changed. It's changed name. It's not Rica, it's Scandic Forum. Okay. But Hopefully they have the same breakfast buffet because that was yeah. the best. <laughs> um, the, the fact that you're not coming to see this buffet is an atrocity, but. Anyway, hotel buffets in Norway are pretty good. Yeah. yeah, going to going to the U.S. and staying at a hotel is <laughs> sad. You, you got to go to IHOP. Like cereal. <laughs> yeah, you get cereal and muffins. Well, what's the deal oh. with like bringing uh, coaches and stuff like that? Like the COVID protocol. See now, see now, this goes back to the USVI thing. Like this is all fucked up. Like I'm not bringing. Like I don't think I'm bringing the same usually i would bring luis as my personal coach yeah is luis able to go not unless he's a member of the u.s virgin islands federation oh but he also works for usapl a lot so i told him that like i i just don't want to get him involved in this so because he could get he would get what i don't know (laughs) suspended from the ipf like i don't know he doesn't care but so like if he did business with the USAPL and didn't even have a USAPL membership, he couldn't. I just think it's not worth the trouble. Yeah. But you can, right, Martha, you can bring support staff. It would be on the quarantine exemption list, as you guys have stated. Um, it should be. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if it has to be. Uh, well, since IPF has banned USAPL, they won't be on the list anyway, so. Yeah, so it has, to be, it has to be Virgin Islands to get in. Yeah. And support staff, yeah, they are also exempt. All right. So I was talking to um, my fellow teammate, Scott Dobbins, last night. How do you get your girlfriend on the, the quarantine exemption list? Like you're trying to bring your girlfriend to the meet. Talk to Morton. Morton. That's what <laughs> our plan was. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, I think you have to. And I mean, that's support staff. Yeah, support staff. But she she gets your water bottle, you know, then, yeah. <laughs> then you got to have her there. <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll talk to Morton. I think, I think that will work out. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. We don't want to be lonely men. We don't want to be lonely men in the darkness of Norway, you know? <laughs> no, that sounds sad. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
I wanted to know your thoughts on the whole international testing situation. Like from what I've seen, and we're going to ask every international lifter this question for a while, but like I've seen a lot of international lifters post in support of like the IPF. And it seems like the USAPL lifters or some of the American lifters are the only ones who really believe in like what the USAPL is putting out there, especially on social media. Like, it's funny to see the USAPL post and then like the IPF post. And I'm like, this is so fucking stupid, right? So I want to know your thoughts because we've talked about our thoughts plenty of times on the podcast. We want to know what you think. Well, I feel like I don't have enough information to really have a strong opinion, to be honest. Uh, what I know is you guys in the USAPL use a different laboratory or whatever to test mm-hmm. because you can test more. Uh, doing it that way instead of testing Nevada way, um, which is in theory very good. Uh, I don't know how um, good those tests are. Are mm. they reliable? Are it, is it safe for the lifters? Um, all those kind of questions. I don't know. I don't have enough information really to yep. have a very strong opinion about it. And the only thing I know or uh, really think is the saddest part of the situation is how strong, strongly IPF has uh, punished USAPL and eventually its lifters. Okay. Um, especially when we are in a situation uh, during a pandemic, you haven't been competed for so long and then just rip the floor out of every athlete again. It's just, I think it's really, really sad, really. Yeah, it is. That has been the worst part. I was saying, like, if this was, like, just a normal year, and like not a yeah. world games year. I think a lot of us would just sit out, but it's just like at this point being competitors, like there's just no way for us to just sit back and wait any longer. But you're, I mean, you have the right, the right picture of the situation. Like 2015, that was the first WADA test that I took at a USAPL meet. So before that, all our, all our testing, national, regional, everything was, lower level, we'll call it lower level testing, but really it's Quest Diagnostics, which is a well-known laboratory here. I think a lot of Americans trust for health tests, blood work, and then, you know, obviously drug testing. A lot of corporations use that for drug test screening. And, you know, it's a few hundred dollars for like a drug test screen, including anabolics. So we'd use that so we can test 10%. That's part of like the USAPL constitution is that we would test 10 percent of the lifters at every competition which is high right um 2015 we started doing WADA tests but from my memory they weren't third party like the usapl was getting WADA test kits and sending them to WADA labs but still usapl referees were administering the test which is where the i think the biggest conflict of interest lies because those are people that the lifters know and have relationships with right so, like, I understand that. And then a couple of years ago, that ended. We, You know, the first issues with this started in 2019. So then all our national events, we went to third-party WADA testing. But, like, the local level or what you guys would call, like, club competitions, things like that, where yeah. routinely you, you could have 100 or 200 athletes in the U.S. and you could have one in every state on a popular weekend. So you could have 40 or 50 competitions with a hundred lifters going on 
all at the same time in different areas of the United States. And for those reasons, we kept testing with the like lower level tests and also administered first party, which would be a USAPL drug testing officer. Or okay, rep- so USAPL would choose who got uh, drug tested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would sit. They would basically be like, "Oh, okay, like that guy's." It, it's kind of stupid. You would sit there and like, I've been a state referee for a long time. I've been part of this. Like, you're like, "Oh, that guy's new. He totaled a lot. He won his weight class. Let's drug test Alex." You know, yeah. um, he looks too jacked. He's too lean. Yeah, he's too jacked, basically. <laughs> and like, honestly, you know. <clears throat> From the inside, it, it seemed like we were doing the right thing because we would catch a lot of people, that people that would come from like another federation yeah. or people, it was their first USAPL meet and maybe they were doing some bodybuilding before and they kind of look yeah. like they're using mm-hmm. steroids. <laughs> I mean, they just kind of look like it. And so we would test them and they would fail. And so we 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 have a record. I mean, if you look, well, they took it down now, but you used to be able to look in a public document we would catch a lot of people at these these club level competitions um so but like at this point i understand why that doesn't look good right mm-hmm. from the outside like um but so but i think a lot of people in the usapl in america they have trouble like looking from the outside in like okay if someone told you ukraine was doing their own drug testing program you wouldn't believe that they were doing like you wouldn't believe any of this. So like just to keep the playing field even, you can't just like there can't be different rules for different countries. So, I mean, I get it. Yeah. But I mean, the, the tricky part is with the USAPL um, enacting the third party WADA for nationals, for high level competitions, for anything where someone's actually going to end up going to an IPF event. They've been through the WADA system and it's third party but it's just these lower local meets that yeah. the USAPL didn't want to, or like couldn't reasonably enforce the WADA, you know, on these thousands and thousands of lifters. Well, so. well like Marta, what's, what was the drug testing like at the last, that competition you did last weekend? Just for example. There was no drug testing. There was none. So. No, because we have a different system because we have just one organization that does, drug testing and it's VADA compliance. And um, the downside with that is that they have to uh, pay attention or be notified that we have a competition here and there and maybe you want to come. And they can't guarantee that they will come, but if they have the information, maybe they will show up. Um, but I think in Norway, it's a whole lot of different situation because we are so much smaller than you guys. Yeah. And I mean... In Norwegian powerlifting, there are so few uh, that I'm even suspicious of because it's so close and, and we are in clubs and you sign an uh, anti-doping contract and you get like enforced by the first training you're there, you know? So I think we don't have that kind of trouble trouble that you guys have with... You're more honorable in Norway. In. You're more honorable. What? You're more honorable people. I know. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Wait, so do you have to be part of a club to lift in a competition? Yeah, and you have to be part of a club. Um, for If you're competing at nationals, you have to be part of a club 
at least I think it's three or six months uh, before the competition because you are have to, you have to sign the papers mm -hmm. and you have to be be available for testing. Yeah, so I think that's the difference. So like powerlifting here, it's as American as everything else here. Anybody can. You sign up for a meet the day of the meet. You could show up. No, hey. that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Can, that's you, not true. can you get a membership? You don't have to be. Okay, you don't have to be a USA. You could sign up for a meet and never have been a USA Powerlifting member. You can sign up online, buy the sign up date, and then you can pay for your membership when you get to the meet. Okay, I have some suggestions for USAPL <laughs> <laughs> about how to run things in the future. So. <laughs> But I mean, our model though, you, you catch the people before they even, they don't even get into the club. Yeah. I've been a president of my club for four years. And the first thing we do when a person comes in and wants to try powerlifting, we have a talk with them and we just tell them about our uh, thoughts on doping and anti-doping and you will be tested with this and that, blah, blah, blah. And um, if we are suspicious about the person He's, he's not getting invited to our club. He has to just like, bye-bye. Yeah, that we, makes we sense. We don't have to take them in, you know? So that, that's how, like... There you have a barrier before, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think USAPL used to be not officially like that, but when there was no, like, I'm talking like when I first started lifting 15 years ago, there was no classic division. And so most people had been training with some sort of team or group of yeah. people that were already affiliated with the USAPL and it was kind of like there was like a gateway or like a barrier mm -hmm. to just like douchebags lifting. But with the rise of classic lifting here and with our current rules, anybody can lift. And I think that's where, that's why, you know, first of all, USAPL has 10 or 15,000 members on a normal year. Yeah. But that's also why, the push for drug testing at the local level is there. What we call the local level or like the, the, the small meets. Um, Cause yeah. they're not that small anymore. Like I said, there are people who are ambitious and to run a competition here, you could run a competition of like any size, you know, even if you're in, you're just calling it, um, you know, like club meet 100, you could make it two platforms, two days, 200 lifters. You can have, smoke machines and pyrotechnics and do whatever you want it's america you know you're kind of free yeah, to as long as you have usapl referees and you know all that and it's run by the rules competition equipment you can do whatever you want there's a guy in virginia that's just running these huge like super high production meets but they're just like local meets and he's like losing money but he like i don't know he said he likes losing money it's but a, it's a beautiful thing yeah. it's a beautiful thing you but, know, this is part of the good thing, I guess, on the other side is that it's open to so many people. You yeah, know. it is a good thing. And part of the, the drug testing thing is since 1997, when the USAPL started from other drama like this, they became the, the main fed here. So for 24 years, we've been doing this drug testing the same way. And so when yeah. you're now telling an organization that, what they've been doing for 24 years they're not allowed to do anymore obviously there's going to be kicking and screaming like i think eventually this will get worked out i just you know think this is like part of the process so you know what i said i would do if i was like president of usapl i would have signed the paper said we're compliant 
And then I would just kept doing the drug testing we were doing, except I would have made it all out of meat. And then I would have never posted the results online. Yeah. And so there would never, there would never be eyewitnesses to my first party testing. And then it would never be posted public. And I could be as corrupt as I want. You could also get a job in Russia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. It it sounds bad, but I mean, that's what I would have done to make it so that we can continue lifting. Yeah. You know? But hey, that was my theory. If if I take our current drug testing program, make it all out of meat. So I'm like, okay, this new guy lifted at this meat. I'm going to go to his house next week and test him. Instead of testing him at the competition, then nobody could report me to the IPF that I'm doing this testing. I mean, they could. They could, but who's going to believe? You're going to believe them? They're going to believe them? I'm not the president of USAPL. This big Italian man knocked on my front door and asked me to piss in a cup. Yeah, that's what I do. (laughs) I'm just saying I would have kept, I would have like, I think part of the USAPL just, they had this like, um, they were just, it's like this, they were proud, you know, they posted all these drug tests online for the last 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thousands of drug tests. It's part of it. They're proud that. At a local meet with 12 people, a master's lifter lifting for the first time is going to have a fair platform. Some idiot can't just come that's on steroids and win. And another thing we did, Martha, was we uh, we would, like, screen our entire world teams. So we they would come, to, like, if we made the world team, they would come to our house once or twice between nationals and and the world championship and out of me out of contest do an out of contest test whether that that was WADA compliant or not it wasn't because it was a lot of times it was like the usapl regional chair or state chair would come to your house when the drug test but like we did that so we knew that our lifters we were sending to world championships were clean you know but that's also that's not allowed anymore that's exactly what Russia did for many, many years. I yeah. mean, do you see the parallels here? Yeah, no, I do. I actually, I'm actually one of the only Americans who think that I, I'm, I'm agreeing that we need to be water compliant. We just need to like stop the bullshit because, you know, I know you said you haven't listened to our podcast in a while, but what we've been talking about is personal experiences I've had and stories I've had where the drug testing people we're so big, right? And there's so many people giving and getting drug tests that things have things have gone wrong in the past. There's been, especially without a competition test, people don't follow the rules. So I've seen it happen a lot. And there's specific situations where there's been bad things that happen, not to the sense of cheating, but where cheating could take place, where someone got extra notice for an out-of-competition test or... Um, things like that. So it's not good. Um, people doing the, like people messing up the paperwork and stuff. Like there's a lot of people who don't know how to do this stuff. Like a lot of it, it's not done perfectly to a T cause like we're not really trained to do the stuff. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it's also about the, the lifters safety though. Yeah. I mean, if they're messing up your tests then who knows who's going to miss, I mean, mix something and then, all of a sudden you get a positive test back and do they have like A and B samples or is yeah. it like yeah. or 
It was A and B yeah. samples, but it was just lower level. Like it was plastic containers instead of the glass that's like yeah. really well sealed. Yeah. So like there could be, you know, yeah. theoretically there could be tampering like, uh, but can be much easier done than like Sochi where they unscrewed the glass caps, like shit like that. But you know, it was all, it was all plastic stuff like that. Yeah. Um, USAPL referees, like including myself, like one time someone was like, Hey, you want to do the drug test? It was at our like local competition. I was like, dude, I no, like really? no one's ever trained me on how to do this. I'm not going to start doing drug tests. So someone else needs to do it. So you could have someone that is totally unqualified to do yes. drug tests. Hundred percent. Okay. Technically, think, you're supposed to have been trained, though, right? Because you're a, you have a you're referee. I'm a state referee, yeah. but what what training has the state referees gotten? Do they do they there's get? No, there's no training course. You're don't? just supposed to all of a sudden know how to do a drug. So test. it's just like tribal knowledge. Like someone tells it's tribal you, knowledge. This is how you run the drug test, and they teach you, and then you just do it. Yeah, yeah. So I that's that's why I know that we're wrong. Like I know we're yeah. wrong, but like I said, yeah. we've been doing it this way for 24 years, so. Yeah. It's going to be some problems. I mean, because you've do, done it for so long doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I just think it's um, but it's I think we're if, biased towards that. If was, if I was going to be tested in that kind of like situation, I think I would be afraid. I mean, if someone that doesn't have any training in how to do uh, a test safely and and. I would be, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel safe at all. Yeah. And like, there's little nuances about the tests. Like I would, I've taken so many of these types of drug tests in the USA, USA powerlifting that I'd be joking around. Like where you want my pants around my ankles. You want to watch from the front. You want to watch from the back. Like, and everybody is different, right? Some referees are like, I need to see your urine stream. And some referees are like, go in the stall. I don't want to see it. You know, like, so like, yeah, I know this probably might be shocking to you, but like when you have normal people, general population people who are powerlifting as a hobby, then they decided they were going to help out by refereeing. These are good, Mm -hmm. good hearted people. But now all of a sudden they have to burden the responsibility of doing drug testing. It was the variables were too much. Yeah. So earlier I said I didn't have enough information to have a strong opinion. Now I do have a strong <laughs> <laughs> Well, when you said that, I said, I'll give you the information. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I'm sad to say, though, I think IPF is, is right, though. Yeah. Uh, because it's also about lifter safety. I mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be comfortable uh, being tested in a way like that. I remember my first uh, international drug test was in, in Susdal in that uh, um, classic championship. Mm-hmm. Um. And that was actually my first ever drug test. And that was not good at all. I mean, it was supposed to be VADA compliant, but it wasn't. We were left uh, uh, like unintended, alone, until we like went in and peed. Um, but I felt like, because I was sitting there with, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember her, Natalia Kismina. Yeah. She like came in from nowhere from Kazakhstan and I was sitting there with her. I was like, holy shit, if they mess up, mess up my test with her, <laughs> they tested positive for yeah. at that exact test. Oh, really? Positive. So, yeah. <laughs> you were in the presence of heat. I was. <laughs> I hope this yeah. air isn't contaminated. 
Well, I'll tell you this. I think this is also pretty alarming. So be prepared. And I'm actually reluctant to say this, but it's a spicy PL podcast. There was a gentleman, a referee from Maine. It's a state in our region. Um, so sometimes he would come. It's like the, it's like really up north up there. And so, I it, Maine yeah, I don't know, you know. <laughs> so he would come down every once in a while to help out as a state referee. And actually, maybe 40 years ago, he was a pretty good lifter. But, you know, he's an older gentleman, kind of not all there. We would not let him drug test because we would not let him drug test. He would always want to drug test like high school athletes. He'd be like, oh, I'll do the drug testing. We're like, no, no, no. And just put it that it's the type of person you don't want near kids. And I'm just like, I'm just like, if that, if I've seen all this just from my eyes, like I'm sure multiply that by a hundred, you know, because it's, it's going on in every state. So I'm one of the only Americans who's like open-minded enough to like not follow the propaganda that USAPL is putting out too many drug tests and shit like that. That's because you're half Italian. You actually have, uh, you can actually see yourself. I mean, the, the, the States from the outside sort of. Well, yeah, halfway. even I think it's like traveling internationally from like when I was yeah. a young child to like see my family and like go to different countries and stuff. Yeah. I think that has an effect on you. It's like you, you've seen, you know, I love our team. But like a lot of our lifters, if they're from like down south and they're young, they haven't really left. the. There's a lot of people who haven't left the U.S. before until they go to a world championship. And there you can tell it's like people at the competition. They're like looking where can you get a pizza or like hot dogs or hamburgers where <laughs> we're looking to eat like, you know, the weird stuff. We want to eat like yeah. the raw meats and um, just like the regional specialties or whatever. But there's people who won't eat. You know, you, you can you can pick the Americans out who are kind of, you know. Yeah, that's you can usually you can hear them from, from far. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can hear me or Bonica from far away, but I think we're pretty oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're just we're just happy to be there. But um, anyway, that's the situation. So I'm glad we talked about it with you because, um, you know, it's what it's a good different perspective and we it's need, a good way to talk through talk through the. You know? We need it. I think us having this conversation, if people watch us, watch your reaction to what I'm saying, I think that's helpful, you know, because it's not normal. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's really not. And I think I think what lifters in USAPL should also think about is their own safety, like I mentioned yeah. like three times now. Because, yeah, you never know. I think my worst, worst nightmare would be to get a positive test. Yeah, yeah, by mistake. Yeah. yeah. Well, one I thing would, I want to ask you is like you're on the athletes commission. Yeah. And like, is there a push for more drug testing? Because I could tell you from my personal experience, I've never been tested at an international meet. And I've been to seven world championships and I did get tested at world games. But I think that was a situation where it's kind of different because I think almost everyone got tested. And I actually because I meddled, I got blood I was one of the people that get selected for blood testing, which I thought was really cool. I was so excited. Everybody else in there was like nervous and quiet. Now it's like, yes, like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually cut the line for urine. Like they were all like, oh, we don't have to pee. And I was like, yeah, I got to pee. Like I cut the line. I'm laughing. Like it was a great time. But like there was like 
uh, you had like a chaperone. You couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. You couldn't, you know, there was no chance. Like if you pass nope. there, you're, you're good, at least in competition. But other than that, I've never got a, an international test. And at this point, I've gone to eight, seven or eight world championships. Like, don't you think there should be more testing? Of course, you can never have enough testing. That's, uh, of course. But I think it's important to, no offense though, Joe. <laughs> you have to, te- I mean, you have to test those. <laughs> the good, the good that ones. World record. Oh total, I mean, who total on top? And yeah. also, I mean, you have to prioritize records. That's no brainer. You have mm-hmm. to. And also the, the the people on the podium. And then after that, you have to look for the anomalies. Yeah. I mean, who's who's the usual suspect here? So you you probably look like too good of a guy. I don't know. You look too honest. I've been on the podium before. Come on. You look yeah, too I know, honest. I know, but but I, mean, I know. I'm messing around. I, I actually do because, like, I remember in 2013 in Stavanger, like, there was an Egyptian lifter who bombed out. Yeah. So, like, typically you wouldn't test a lifter who didn't finish. But he, he just he just looked the look, you know, and, and he, yep. he failed. And it's also like that when people come from these, uh, like, a country that's a new federation or new member nation. It's like I think there should be more intelligent testing. Yeah. Than maybe it is today. Is that something you guys discuss, like on the athletes commission? We haven't really discussed it. No. Okay. It's not a very very active commission, to be honest. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, are you confident in the drug testing protocols that exist right now? Like, you're you're completely comfortable that you're on a clean platform. On a clean platform. Yeah. Like, uh, clean that exact day or clean forever? <laughs> <laughs> clean forever. No. <laughs> no. So you think there should be more out of competition testing? Yeah. Okay. I think there should be a lot of more out of competition tests. And I think in, in Stavanger, uh, because I think they had Norwegians and Germans uh, doing the testing, and they went to the hotel rooms the days before people lifted to get them tested. That's awesome. So three, four days before you lift, that's perfect time to, to do some tests or even even preferably, um, I don't know, one or two weeks before the meet. That's when you should be testing because if you fail at competition, you're just, you're, you're stupid. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I do agree with like, we don't really need that many in competition tests, but they need to like up the amount of out of competition tests. And I think you're right. Like yeah. that, like two week period is when, you know, like obviously we know enough about it where, you know, you're timing a half life of something and, you know, doing some math and some calculations mm-hmm. and there's people helping these people, you know, with certain compounds that are, you know, break down pretty fast. So, uh, yeah, I think that's good. So hopefully that happens this year too. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think it's also so. good for people to see, like at least we have a lot of American listeners, to see that you're you're pretty comfortable with how it's done right now. Like obviously we all wish for more testing, but you think that there are enough deterrents in place. Well, there's. It's. I think we are in a good situation now, but we should always strive to get better and. By getting better, I think we could have much more out of competition testing, but because that's when we're going to catch 
those who do drugs um, systematically. I mean, those we catch on the meet day are just the stupid idiots that haven't done the calculations or the are bros. doing it on own, you know? Yeah. Uh, but we're not going to catch those that are doing it systematically throughout the year. I mean, you have to go to their countries and test them out of competition at strategic timing, not just like at random times. You have to go there, um, I don't know, mm-hmm. one month before competition. That's probably some... So do you have this happen um, in Norway on a national level? Yeah. Okay. And I think... I also discussed this with the Norwegian uh, Anti-Doping Agency. It's like they're very predictive in when they're coming to test me. Because when I'm closing in on a competition, and it's good though, because we're talking about maybe three or four weeks before competition, they usually come. Because when I'm like closing in a competition, I was like, oh, I just have a feeling they're coming soon. And yeah. maybe the next morning, 6 a.m., get a knock on the door. It's like, oh, yeah, I was waiting for you. <laughs> Your sixth I sense. Know it, though, they usually come. Yeah. Like, before weeks. I think the trouble is that, like, I think that, like, Norway, Great Britain, Canada, and I've seen, like, those, well, not, not, not Norway specifically, but, like, lifters from Canada and Great Britain have been very outspoken on the issue. Um. And they probably have good testing protocols in their home countries. But what's, you know, what's the testing protocol in Ukraine? What's the testing protocol in Russia? And I think that's what bothers a lot of the USAPL leaders is that we have a testing protocol. We're being penalized, but there is no testing in some of these other countries. Yeah, I know. I think that's also because uh, IPF have this agreement with the German company or whatever. And I actually got a visit from Germany twice that came to Norway to specifically drug test me and some other people on the national team. And then I'm like, it's a waste of money. Huh? It's a waste of money. It's a waste of money. I mean, our anti-doping agency is so good in Norway and it's not corrupt. It's we get tested year round. I mean, go to Ukraine, go to Brazil, go I mean, Brazil. in those countries that doesn't have, yeah, <laughs> you could find a lot of nice things in Brazil, I think. Um, <laughs> I mean, go to those countries that that don't have the agency that we have in Norway, in Sweden, or in Canada and stuff, you know? Yeah. You have to be more intelligent in the way you test, because each test is also so freaking expensive. So the rumor here is that, like, they can't do it the same way because you need a visa. And so, like... By way of well, get get a fucking visa, then I mean yeah. So because you can't get a visa, it's just like or just the, for whatever. There's for, there's a notice if if they can see the visa applications, they can tell. Yeah, if it really is like state sponsored doping, then you know maybe a coach no, knows that. that in yeah, maybe uh, when, yeah, maybe she's right. No, yeah. it'd be really hard. You really to get. think that government yeah. comes like. To your home and be like, oh, there's some anti-doping people coming. Well, today's world, I mean, well, I guess maybe it shouldn't be in an email, but it could be a phone call. Um, I don't (laughs) know. Like powerlifting, powerlifting showed up on the McLaren report when they did that whole Rusada investigation on what sports were state-sponsored doping. Like never got details of that, but there were powerlifting athletes in that report. I don't know. So I don't know, you know, but I think that that's kind of the 
that's one of the things that people get hung up on is there's no testing in a lot of these countries. You know, like if the platform was just U.S., Norway, Sweden, Canada, Great Britain, everybody would, I think everybody would trust each other, but there's things going on that you can tell something's wrong. So, well, we talked about this for a while. We want to talk about you a little bit. (laughs) So we had Carl Ingvar on and we talked a little bit about um, Dittmar Wolf. (laughs) And I wanted to know, a lot of people actually a lot of people message me like like oh you know he screwed over this lifter he screwed over that lifter and pointed me to results where you know maybe carl had finished in second by five kilos but he had made his third deadlift something like that um also like i remember like you know 10 years ago he was like the new hottest thing and everybody was like oh Dittmar wolf's training Dittmar wolf's training we need to get it and then by like 2016, you guys all like bombed out of world championships and everybody lifted like crap. I didn't bomb in 2016. You didn't, but Hans Magna, um, yeah. Stian, and. Um, yeah, he bombed as well. Yeah. Hildeborg. Uh, Hildeborg. Yeah. yeah. It, was a, it was a tough, tough year. So I wanted to get your thoughts on like that experience and like how the training was. Did it feel like it helped you? Did it, did it hurt you? Like the in-competition coaching, like w- did you ever have any issues with it? Well, if you look at my statistics, you can see I think I squatted like 240 or 235 for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden from 2016 to 2017, I squatted 252.5 uh, at Worlds in 2017, even though I was training – uh, not as well and being injured and everything, but that was 100% the knee reps. Just the reps, huh? Yeah. So changing coach, uh, I PR like 12 and a half kilos. Oh, you just mean like the coach that wrapped you? Huh? You mean the like the coach that actually wrapped you? Yeah. Knee wrap. The wrap. So did Dittmar, did Dittmar like do your equipment previously? Yeah, he did. Oh, okay. At every competition. Okay. And, uh... I like my knee wraps really, really hard um, because if I don't get them tight enough, I will just like fall forward and I'm already a good morning squatter. So mm-hmm. it will be even, even worse. And what he would do when I could, couldn't get the depth was wrap even looser. Like, looser. So yeah, I hate that. I was just like falling forward and forward. So it was just like, he wouldn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my squat result there, it's, something without saying anything more about it yeah what about so he wrapped carl ingvar for all those big squats yeah wow it did if, but it's, if it's, i ever yeah, wrapped carl he would squat more yeah i think so i think uh i don't know maybe he wrapped me extremely loose compared to everyone else but i don't know i don't know it was just it, it didn't work for me um and he was getting old too, though. So yeah, <laughs> uh, you know. But a lot of bigger lifters don't can't handle tighter wraps as much. I don't know. Maybe Carl would squat of six hundred if uh, someone else wrapped him. <laughs> yeah, if you let the Americans wrap him. <laughs> but um, Maybe. yeah, because typically our coaches like they don't want to they don't want to do like the 
the equipment handling. They usually have like a like a like a labor hand, a yeah. helper to do all that stuff, so yeah. they can focus on the competition. Each rapper yeah, needs to be fresh. Yeah, you need to have your own Each rapper. Yeah. What about the training? So, like, I know when you guys were on the team under Deepmar, like, you guys had to do the training that he wrote, right? Yeah. Did you like? Was, did you like that? Uh, in the beginning, I did. It was, um, it was fairly good, and um, I was making progress. But then, I don't know. He changed his philosophy, just like going from you know doing squat bench and deadlift to doing a lot of weird accessories that you know just took yeah. a lot of time in like setting up and doing um and i think i didn't get as much out of it uh to be honest so we've all heard about the bosu ball squats and like uh, stories <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so i kind of stopped doing his thing Mm-hmm. Um, while I still was on the national team and he was training me. But that Did you get in trouble? <laughs> this is the first time I'm actually mentioning it, so. <laughs> so you're scared. It's been a big secret, so. <laughs> okay. Well, the Norwegian Equip team, like, you know, I've known you guys for a long time. I've always been, like, fans and friends. Um, but, like, the turnover is pretty high. Like, you're, like, one of the only people left from the team that I remember from like, you know, eight years well, ago. Really? No, Heidi. She's I, still going yeah. Strong. She's still going. And, uh, well, yeah, I know all the men are gone. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We, I don't know what's going on in Norwegian powerlifting, but, um, we, we are, we don't have any good men anymore. <laughs> it's an issue. We just have like, it's it's a girls' sport, really. Yeah, no good men, huh? A lot yeah. of girls. A lot of girls here say that too. Um, do you think that like classic is getting more popular in Norway, or it's just really a an issue with the men's team? Uh, I think it's getting more popular, and yeah, I think I think we are struggling with recruiting more lifters equipped Mm -hmm. because why bother like really (laughs) okay it's a lot of hard work i mean it's it's hard to to get lifters to actually um i don't know to get into a suit and it's a lot of pain and trouble and um while they can still squat without a suit and still compete so yeah i think it's hard to actually get people to try it and then get them hooked on it. Yeah, it's tough. We see it here a lot. A lot of people try it and they get hooked, but maybe I should say that differently. Only a few people try it, but then they get hooked. So it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people here will be like, oh, it's so expensive, but then they'll show up with like $600 of SBD classic equipment and, you know, they can't, they can't. uh, Yeah. I think it's funnier that knee wraps are cheaper than knee sleeves. That is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, a good pair of knee sleeves here are $100, where you can get uh, ends or tight knee wraps for $30, $40, you know? Huh. 
So I don't know. You guys might pay more for the American equipment. I'm get... Titan sponsored, so I haven't paid anything. Oh, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I've been around the block. But, um, yeah, so it, it kind of does suck. But we talked to Carl a little bit about that, too. And it's like I think every country has that. Like it's, it's all going classic. Yeah. Do you think the next but... World Games is going to go classic? Not not like this one. Yeah, the, the next one. The next one. Yeah, yeah, probably. But to be honest, if I had, if I could like be sure to place podium and fight for the world championship title, uh, raw, hell yeah. Yeah. It would take so much less time. I mean, it would be so much more comfortable if I could if I could um, place same in classic as in equipped. Yeah. But you don't think you can. No. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> We're honest. If someone's like, what's your raw numbers? I'm like, I stink. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. That, that, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just ridiculous. I mean, no. I think if they like eliminated equipped lifting for some reason, like I would just not, I just would, I would never lift again. <laughs> like, what's yeah. the, I mean, there. I, I think you're focusing on like that. It's easy to do classic but i just i still think there's something about equip lifting like the like the stakes are higher the adrenaline and like the excitement of of it and also like the work that it takes i mean and then it's like watching a really good equip lifter it's like really satisfying to me like to watch a really great performance in equipment where you know let's be honest you watch a really great uh, performance by like some five foot tall classic lifter it's not really like you're not like you're not like oh my god that was amazing you know you're like okay that guy's really strong that guy's a freak that guy's a freak but you're not i don't know it just doesn't do the same for me i'm saying me personally you know no but i I totally agree and don't get me wrong i still love equipped lifting and that's my passion but if i could win the world championship raw i would just do it because it's hard work though and competing and having a full-time job and everything else And it takes so much more time. And now I'm in a situation where I'm, I've been moving a lot. And having a team or finding a team to help me with equipped lifting is really hard. So if I was just competing raw, I could just like go in the gym and not, you know, yep. depend mm-hmm. on anyone. A lot of the lifters train alone, you know. Yeah. So something else I wanted to ask you about was um, – and you said you've been moving a lot, but I know years ago. Did you live in Russia for a while? Yeah, I did. Did you learn any, like, Russian secrets while you were there? Like, where did you train? I trained in St. Petersburg at, like, this, it was called Fitness Club. So, um, with some powerlifters. And that's it? No, no Russian training secrets? <laughs> No, not really. It's not any secrets. I mean, it's just drugs. I guess it's not a secret. So. All right. Well, you were you were dating a Russian lifter at the time. Yeah. Do you think they were on drugs while you were dating them? Uh. Well, the situation was that I I it was it was an issue, uh, and I asked him like, "Are you are you doing drugs?" Uh, because I was. The, the reason that I moved back to Norway because 
was because I was so freaking tired of going to the gym every day and being almost like humiliated because I was a natural lifter. Like wow. it was so the culture, it was, like, it was deep in the culture. It was deep in the culture and they were like, oh my God, you are so fucking stupid. If you think it's <laughs> possible to get strong as a powerlifter, not doing drugs. And I'm like, well, I'm getting pretty strong myself though. And I'm not doing drugs. So, well, but this specific lifter though said to me that I was uh, extremely na naive. Naive, yeah. That, yeah, the Russian team was clean that any of them had been clean for a lifetime, but he still claimed that he was clean. And then I asked like, so why are you so freaking special? You're the only clean athlete. He's like, well, I, I don't have to take drugs right now. I'm strong enough right now. So right now, right now. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, that's the funny All thing right. about <laughs> them. Like you can't, you know, I guess like we've both of us, you know, in our own, like, sports journeys we've seen some special things like either we you know i believe in myself and i've gotten really strong and you know done big totals you've set world records and also life like i've observed lifters i know are clean in, in the u.s be that much better than even me you know what i'm saying and like i'm not really yeah. like i don't know why i said it like that but you know what i'm saying and you've seen you know even me, <laughs> even me. yeah <laughs> i didn't mean it like that but you know, from my perspective, like someone at like our close friend asked me if I thought I was a freak when we were out at dinner. And I said, yes, because in my perspective, like I would never tell someone that because my total like I did these big totals and it was all hard work. Like, obviously, it was a lot of hard work, but obviously I have some sort of talent, especially for equipped lifting and, yeah. you know, squatting big weights or whatever you want to call it. So I would never say that, like, I'm not gifted because that's not fair there's probably another guy my size but maybe he's benching 300 pounds like i don't know or i do yeah. know you know most people are not as strong as me but so i i don't want to be naive and, and like talk down to people and say like oh you could do this if you were as smart or worked as hard as me no there's some natural ability that goes into it but then there's also people that are on that extra level like take ray williams for example just like as a lifter we don't really know personally i believe he's natural but, like, Russians, they'll hand on the Bible to the grave. Ray Williams is on steroids. Like, they'll never believe anything otherwise, I think. Mm -hmm. So, I just think that it's hard. It's really hard to change their culture. Or, like, Carling Bar Christensen. Hand to, yeah. you know, hand to God. He's, he's not natural. That's what they're saying. But, obviously, I yeah. know he was natural. So, I mean... Yeah. It's just crazy. I remember they, they uh, asked me a lot about that too. Like, Carlene, where, what kind of drugs does he do? Or what kind of oil drugs do you have in Norway? Good oils. Uh, good oil. <laughs> like, well, yeah, oil drugs. Good fish oil. <laughs> they have good fish, fish oil. oil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I got so tired of hearing that every single day. Like, uh, And also uh, hearing stuff like, oh my God, you have such potential. You should just do some drugs and then you'll win everything and blah, 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 blah. So like, you know, there weren't any telltale signs you could tell, you know, like, uh, you know, like small testicles or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> I mean, 
the, the lifter we're talking about, he failed the drug test. So. No, I know. I know. I think yeah. people will figure it out. He's uh, He's been on a, featured on this podcast on a couple Who's Hotters trivia. Um, oh, really? Yeah, that's when we, we give you two lifters and you tell us who's on more drugs. Oh. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that with you. It's a one, something we did like every episode in the beginning. We got to get some new names. Yeah, um, probably. You know, and we don't do IPF lifters that haven't failed because then, you know, we yeah. get in trouble. Like how I almost got suspended over saying that some Brazilian lifters were on drugs. Um, oh, really? Well, that was before the 2017 World Championship. Mm-hmm. I had posted on Facebook. There was like a Facebook thread about that movie Icarus. Yeah. And somehow a few Americans, we were talking about the Brazilian team. Mm-hmm. Like, and then so like it was on the internet and the IPF like sent, I like went through an IPF disciplinary hearing. Oh, Luckily really? nothing happened. Nothing happened to me, but it was, it was just stressful leading into a competition. You know, I shouldn't have done it. I should have just like not went on Facebook and talked about dopers just, you could just talk about it like one or one hour into a podcast because just sounds not gonna listen yeah to sounds like, yeah no no one's yeah <laughs> we've gotten in trouble for stuff we said on the podcast but it's more domestic things <laughs> domestic issues usa and sbd usa and things like careful. that yeah <laughs> anyway um yeah you got any questions <laughs> i went through no. my list no, it was a pleasure to meet you and talk to you. Likewise. Yeah, I'm really crossing my fingers. I see you in uh, 10 weeks. Oh, shit. Nine really? weeks, something really? like that. Yeah, it's close. It's September. It's it's the 5th of September. Uh, yeah, I guess so. What do you, when do you lift? Like the 10th or the 11th of November? I think it's the 11th, yeah. Yeah, so... It's, it's getting there for you. So yeah, across is. my fingers, you know, yeah. to the, you know, to the powers of the U.S. Virgin Islands. <laughs> that uh, Yeah, I want to hear that national anthem. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, again, hopefully I'll see you. Uh, I'll probably talk to you before then because um, maybe we'll have some questions. And I'll talk yeah. to Morton a little bit. And uh, thanks for coming on and doing this with us. And... Uh, Good to see your face and hear things are going well for you. So good luck in training. Thank you. All right. Good luck. Bye. (laughs) Bye.